Let's read Amos chapter 2, starting with verse number 4. And it reads as follows. Thus saith the Lord, for three transgressions of Judah and for four, I will not turn away the punishment thereof, because they have despised the law of the Lord and have not kept his commandments. And their lies caused them to err, after which their fathers have walked. But I will send fire upon Judah, and I shall devour the palaces of Jerusalem. All right, let's pray before we get into today's verses. Dear God, thank you for giving us your word, the Bible, the Bible that we have to study, to learn from, to edify ourselves, to guide our lives. Lord, we want to dedicate our lives to learning your word, to making that word part of our lives, and to following your word. Do you think right now as I try to speak your word and share your message? We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So we've started our study of the book of Amos. If you remember, we start off talking about who is Amos? Who is Amos? And we learn that he was, in short, just a guy. There's nothing special about him, right? He was, as it says here, a sheep herder, a sheep herder and a gatherer of fruits. A sheep herder and a gatherer of fruits, a pretty simple guy. He wasn't any fancy educated scholar of the law, fancy priest, or any other kind of thing like that. Nope, he was just a guy. A regular old guy, but God chose him nonetheless to be the bearer of his message. His message to the people of Israel and Judah, he was the guy to share it. And of course, that shows us as we look at the book of Amos, a reminder to everyone here that, of course, God can use everyone and anyone, even the most humble and simple guys, even the Amoses of the world, can be used for God's purpose. So much so can all of us, right? The other thing we talked about generally in the book of Amos is what I would call the major theme. And as you know, for each book we study, I try to bring out the one major theme. The idea that if you forget everything else about this book, you at least want to remember this one simple idea, right? And when we studied Hosea, that theme was to repent, right? That was pretty straightforward. Repent, repent. When we studied Joel, the theme was that God is sovereign. God is sovereign. And for Amos, the one sentence summary, the one sentence summary, the one takeaway, the thing you got to remember is this. Amos is all about judgment is near or God's judgment is near, right? It's all about God's judgment. You'll be hearing a lot of that word over and over again. Judgment, judgment, judgment. Amos talks a lot about judgment. Last time we started our study of chapter 1 and looking into chapter 2, the first three verses also. And what did it start off with? It started off with a lot of judgment. It started off with a lot of judgment. We see a repeated phrase and a repeated sequence, right? We looked back when we saw, let's say, for example, verse number 3. Thus saith the Lord, for three transgressions of Damascus... And for four, I will not turn away the punishment thereof, right? And then in verse six, right? For three transgressions of Gaza. And for four, I will not turn away the punishment thereof. And verse nine, for three transgressions of Tyrus. And for four, I will not turn away the punishment thereof. And you can see the same thing in verse number 11, verse number 13, and chapter two, verse one. This repeated phrase, repeated pattern. Now, what does that mean? What did we talk about last time when we looked at this pattern? If you remember, 
This was a condemnation of those separate countries, right? Whether it be the Ammonites, the Moabites, the Edomites, six different Gentile nations were targeted, right? And called out for their wrongdoing. When God says for three transgressions and for four, he doesn't literally mean they did three bad things. Ah, but the fourth one, that put me over the edge. And here comes the punishment. We studied that this was kind of like an expression. It's kind of an expression that we would say today when we say like, oh, this is one too many. Or this is the last straw, right? The last straw. Though you pushed me over the line. It's kind of like we're saying three strikes and you're out. This is like four strikes and you're out, right? That's the expression of these people back then. And God is basically saying that, that your sin has become too much, you Ammonites, you Moabites, you whoever, right? We saw the six different Gentile nations that he listed out. Your sin is too much. And that's why you have this judgment coming. And there's all sorts of horrible, horrible judgments we see, right? We saw in, for example... Uh, verse number four of chapter one, right? Fire will go into the house, into your houses and demolish your palaces. Number seven, again, fire in the wall of Gaza and devour the palaces, and so on and so forth. It's because of the sin of these Gentile nations. And the sin was extreme. That's the thing that we were looking at last time, too, how extreme their sin was. It was basically, to put it into modern-day terms, kind of like war crimes that the country committed, war crimes, right? What does it say, right? It talked about the things that they did wrong, like in verse 3. They thresh Gilead with threshing instruments of iron, cruelty in war, using cruel weapons, right? Verse number 6, about carrying people into captivity, slavery, right? Not just you beat them in war, you made them slaves, right? One of the most extreme ones, right? we looked at was in, uh, in verse number 13, right? What did they do, the Ammonites do? So they ripped up the woman with child of Gilead, right? When they fought their war, they didn't just kill the soldiers. They attacked even the pregnant women and killed them, right? War crimes. That's what we call these things today, right? That these countries are so bad that, of course, God has a judgment for them. God has a judgment for them, a punishment for them, for this really, really bad stuff that they did. We talked about judgment a little bit last time. Last time we talked about judgment, about how we don't think about judgment a lot in our daily lives. But by Amos highlighting this judgment, it was supposed to call people's attention, supposed to wake people up to say like, oh, God's judgment is real. We know it's real. Because look at this. Is there a country today called the Edomite country or the Ammonite country? Like, no. God was right. All their palaces and stuff got burned down. It's really gone, right? His judgment did come for all the bad things that these countries did. A reminder to us that God's judgment is real, and that's supposed to be a call for us in our behavior to not go down the wrong path, to not go down the path of sin. Should it not? But instead, we always don't think about judgment, right? And if we don't see it in front of us, it's not in our mind. And last time, we used the example, for example, of the judgment we get when we're in school, like tests, right? You college people know that the way it works is when the test is far away, we don't think about it. We don't care. We don't prepare, right? When the test is tomorrow, aha, that's the day I study, right? 
But we all know that that's not the best way to study. If you had studied like a week in advance, two weeks in advance, three weeks in advance, you would do a lot better than the guy that only said, oh boy, the judgment is coming tomorrow. The test is coming tomorrow. I gotta study right now. This is my last chance, right? Likewise, God doesn't want us to be in the crash course waiting until the last second to do right. He wants us to be proactive, to be ahead of the curve, right? To know, hey, God's judgment is coming today. Today, we've got to act like we're ready. Doesn't Jesus say that when he comes, it's not going to be announced, right? Who's going to be the one that's going to be caught with their pants down, right? Caught, caught in the bad situation, not following God's word, ashamed in front of God. Hopefully that's not us, right? It won't be us if we realize and understand that God has judgment. God's judgment is real. We've got to be ready for it whenever it might be. Chapter 2. Chapter 2, chapter 2 today. We see in chapter 2, verse number 4, the same pattern again. Thus saith the Lord for three transgressions and for four. But who was it targeted to this time? Remember, the first six were all Gentile nations. Now we're saying for three transgressions of Judah. Of Judah, right? Judah, God will not turn away the punishment thereof. Right? Because that they have despised the law of the Lord and not kept his commandments. And what will happen? I will send fire upon Judah and I'll devour the palaces of Jerusalem. And we know this is a true statement. If you go to Jerusalem today, do you see any palaces of the kingdom of Judah? We don't, right? It happened. There was a judgment on Judah. Now you can imagine... If you were in Amos's day and you were listening to all this, right? Or someone was reading this to you or someone was telling you all this stuff, you might feel pretty good at the beginning. You hear chapter one, and it's like, yeah, those countries, they deserve it. They're bad people, right? You know, the Ammonites, the Edomites, the Moabites, yeah, you know, punish them. They did all this horrible stuff to us. Yeah, go, go. That's right, God, yeah. And imagine their shock when they get to chapter two. When the, when the tide turns and against them. The finger's not pointed at you, Judah. Judah, you also are under, under the gun, right? You guys also haven't been doing what you're supposed to. They probably were taken aback, like, whoa, what, what, what? And what is it that they did wrong? It's a lot different than what we read about for those other countries. Like I said, those other countries, basically it's kind of like excessive cruelty, War crimes, even. Stuff you would say, right? What did Judah do wrong here? In verse number four, it says that they've despised the law of the Lord and have not kept his commandments, right? Their lies have caused them the air after which their fathers have walked. What it says is that they were not following God's law. Not just them, but following after the same mistakes that their fathers have done, right? And we know from our study of the other minor prophets that this is not just a short-term thing. It's a multi-generational type thing. That this is a thing that had been happening. It had been happening that Israel and Judah had been falling into sin. Not just one time. Not just literally three times and then here's the fourth. But over and over again, right? Over and over again, whether it be their fathers or this generation, the previous generation, they had kept falling into that same trap. So much so that they had reached the point where God said, that's the last straw, right? This is too much. This is too much. There has to be a punishment. There has to be a judgment. 
Now, if you're, if, but if you're Judah, though, and you hear this, you say, this does not seem fair at all, right? These guys, we heard in the first chapter, right? These guys did horrible things. They murdered the pregnant women. They took people into slavery. They threshed up people during war. And now we get punishment too, and kind of the same punishment, right? We read in the first chapter about all these cities being burned down. Here we're talking about fires in Jerusalem too. We're getting a similar punishment, the same punishment. What do we do? Oh, we just didn't follow all the law? Well, some of these laws and commandments, some of them are just seem so minor in comparison, doesn't it, right? Oh, we didn't remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Oh, we skipped out on the Sabbath. How is that compared to like murder, right? Why are we in that same group, right? Oh, we uh, took the Lord's name in vain. Yeah, we know that's not right. But how does that compare to slavery, right? Isn't slavery much worse, right? I'm sure maybe the people of Judah back then maybe thought these things, right? So why is it? Why does God call them out for breaking the commandments, like the Ten Commandments or whatever, on the same level as these other guys that have done all these horrible things. I think what it goes to is this, that Judah broke the commandments and they should have known better because they knew what God's standard was. They knew. You can't say that the people of Moab should have known God's law, right? Or the people of Ammon should have known God's law. But the people of Judah, should they have known God's law? Did they know what was right? And what was wrong? Did they make a choice to choose to do wrong? That's what God's focusing on. I think so, right here. And why they get just as severe punishment. Because it was an intentional wrongdoing. An intentional wrongdoing. You know, even in our society today, we look at intentional wrongdoing a lot worse than the people that don't know, that are ignorant, right? The way our law works is based all upon that. Right? I'll give you an example. I'll give you an example. Okay? You got in a fight with your friend, right? You got in an argument with your friend, and you guys are, you know, really heated, and you're angry at him, right? And this is what you do. You guys are standing next to the swimming pool. You're angry at him. You're upset. You're going to shove him into the swimming pool, right? Like, I'm going to shove him in there. I don't like this guy, right? I shove him in the swimming pool. And then he falls in the swimming pool. But here's what you didn't know. I didn't know. Guess what? The swimming pool has no water in it. Right? The swimming pool has no water in it. He fell in the swimming pool. He breaks his neck and he dies. Right? Now, in that situation, did you murder the guy? Well, under our laws, we would say, like, no. Like, you didn't know there's no water in the swimming pool. Like, you, you know, you're still, you did a bad thing to him. You shouldn't have shoved him in there. Right? But, oh, because you didn't know there was no water in the swimming pool, we're not going to give you, like, life in jail because it was kind of like, oops, you didn't know, right? But let's say the opposite is true. You're in the argument with the other guy. You're in a fight right outside that swimming pool. You don't like him. You hate him, right? And you know that the swimming pool has no water in it, and you say, you know what? I hate you so much. I'm going to push you in the swimming pool, the empty swimming pool. And the guy falls into the swimming pool, breaks his neck, and he dies. In that situation, right? Almost the same facts, right? Almost the same story. In this one, we would say, that guy is a murderer, 
right? He's a murderer because he knew, he should have known that if you push a guy in the swimming pool and there's no water in there, that guy could die. He could fall on his head, break his neck, and die. The difference is he knows, right? When you know, you hold the guy to a higher standard. That's the way we live our lives, right? It's the same thing with my kids, right? When do I get more angry at them? It's not that they messed up. It's when I tell them something. I say, hey, don't hit your brother. Don't hit your sister, right? And then five minutes later, what do they do? They go hit each other. I get upset. I said, what did I tell you like five minutes? Like literally five minutes ago, I just told you, don't do that. And you did it. That really gets you. It's like, do you even listen to a single word that's coming out of my mouth, right? Do you even care what I'm saying? That gets you so frustrated, right? It's so frustrating. And you can imagine God has that same feeling, that same frustration against Judah. I've given you the law. I've given you five whole books of the Bible, the whole Torah, right? There's Deuteronomy and Leviticus, Exodus. You guys can look at all these things. You know my Ten Commandments. You know thou shalt not do X, Y, and Z. But you do it anyways. You do it anyways. Isn't that deserving of judgment? Isn't that deserving of punishment? That they willfully they knowingly did the wrong thing, right? This is something you can't hold the other countries to, the Gentile countries to. You can't say, oh, you Moabites, you didn't honor the Sabbath day. Well, what do they know? They don't even worship God, right? Oh, you uh, Ammonites, you guys made a bunch of idols, right? Well, they didn't know. They didn't know. But when you talk about Judah, why are you guys making idols? Why are you guys worshiping someone other than God? Why are you guys committing all these sins, violating the Ten Commandments, and so on and so forth? They have no answer, do they? They have no answer. And it's significant for even us today. It's significant to us today because guess what? Even though we're God's children, we're all saved, we are very much like Judah was, right? We're just like Judah. Because we're saved, because we're God's children, Guess what? God expects us to know his law. God expects us to know his word. Now, many of you guys will say this. Some of you guys may say this in the past. Like, oh, isn't all this like Old Testament stuff, the law, all this stuff thrown out the window, right? Jesus Christ is here, right? Jesus Christ is here. He forgave us all of sins. God, God made a better way for us, right? That we don't have to care about all these laws and Old Testament stuff and all that kind of stuff. And that, of course, is true, that Jesus does forgive our sins, that even if we don't follow all the law and we break God's commandments, that he still has salvation for us through Jesus Christ. But it doesn't mean that the law is meaningless for us today. In fact, what did Jesus himself say? Jesus said he was here to fulfill the law, right? He's here to fulfill the law, to help us so that we get all of our violations excused so that we can enter the kingdom of heaven. You see, the truth is, the truth is, the law sets out what God likes. I don't think it's changed since the time of Moses that God likes the, that God still doesn't like the Ten Commandments anymore. I don't think that's changed. I think God still likes like the Ten Commandments and stuff like that. There's a reason why it's still taught today, right? 
Some people ask, why, Nathan, do you make the junior and the, and the middle and the primary church do the Ten Commandments every year? He says this, because it's practical, because it's still true today, right? That people need to know these things. You know, my daughter, she goes to school, and they make her, you know, private school, and they make her memorize the Ten Commandments. Why is that? Because it's still practical even today. These ideas, these concepts, really are things that still God is happy with, even though he knows we're going to fail, right? He can say that one of my commandments is don't bear false witness, right? But I think God knows we're all going to lie. None of us here is perfect. We're going to lie sooner or later. We're not totally 100% truthful. He sure wishes we were. Doesn't mean that we still don't try to be truthful, right? Doesn't mean we don't try to follow God's law. And we see from here that he expects us. He expects us. He has that standard for his own people to know his law and to try their best to follow it and to not willfully, willfully go out there and do wrong. So the onus is on us but here's the problem. Here's the problem. Sometimes we ourselves don't know it. And here's the difference. Here's the difference. It's not just we're totally ignorant, like we said in the other one, examples of like these other countries. We're totally ignorant. How are we? Don't know. We are willfully ignorant. Willfully ignorant. Right? Some of us here don't know God's law, don't know God's rules, don't know God's expectations because we don't care to know. We don't care to know. Now, is that different? We can say, hey, I didn't know, right? Just like we gave the example before, like if you didn't know, should we be blamed as seriously, right? Can we say to God, oh, I didn't know that you had all these rules, God. I did all these sins not knowing it, and you know, I should be excused, right, from that because I didn't know. I never read your Bible. I never read the Bible. I didn't know whatever. Well. I think also there's a difference between being like ignorant because you're in a different situation and being willfully ignorant, meaning that you didn't know because you didn't care to know, you didn't want to know, right? Once you're saved, once you're God's child, you know, you know what? You know that there's this thing called the Bible. You know that there's stuff in there that it, God teaches. Do we have an affirmative duty to go learn what that is? Do we have an affirmative duty to come out to church and hear his word? Right? Do we have an excuse now that we're saved and God's children to say that I don't know what the Ten Commandments are, so, you know, sorry, right? You know, that doesn't fly. That's like saying, oh, you know, uh, you know I took my gun and I fired into a crowd of people, but, you know, I didn't know that that would hurt people, right? Would anyone believe that? It's like, no, you're just, just trying to fool yourself. It's like saying, oh, God, I, wor- I-, I got saved, but I still worship all these idols. Does that make any sense? No. It's like saying, God, I got saved, but I'm still a liar. I'm still a thief. Does that make any sense? No. It's like you should know better. Even if you've never read the words out of the book of Exodus or the book of whatever that say this, you have a duty to go out and learn this and know that and be prepared to know these things, to get right with God, to honor his law and his commandments the best you can. I find it really strange that at many churches today that there's people that don't care about as much about learning God's word as they should. It might be true even here with some people, right? But I looked at an extreme case, like for example, one of the 
church that my kids go to, right? I look at their attendance list. Sometimes they publish their attendance list, right? You see the, the, the Sunday congregation for their message. Oh, it's like 100 people, a lot of people. But you look at the Sunday school. How many people show up to the Sunday school? The attendance is like what? 15 only. Why wouldn't you want to also go to Sunday school and learn more about the Bible, learn more about God's word, prepare yourselves? Are we taking advantage of all the resources we have out there, whether it be Sunday school, whether it be through Bible studies, through fellowships, through reading the word on our own? Are we doing everything we can so that we have that knowledge so that we don't get tripped up just like how Judah did? Are we doing that? Is that our goal? We all have problems and busyness and this and that, but it should be that we make it a priority in our lives to say, when it comes to learning more about your word, God, we want to be prepared. We want to know. We want to avoid your judgment in the future because we want to know what's right, your rules, your laws, your commandments, and do the best we can. So I think that's where Judah tripped up. Hopefully that's not where we trip up right here. We'll go on next time to see what Israel did wrong in verse number six and so on. But right now, we're going to end off with a word of prayer because these guys are beating down the door, right? Let's bow our head and close our eyes. Dear God, thank you for continuing, helping us to continue to study the book of Amos and the wrongdoing of Judah, which was not keeping your law, your commandments. We know today we don't, quote, have to keep your law because we're thankful we have Jesus to forgive all our sins. But we know we're going to try our best to honor you. We know you want us to honor you and to follow your commandments, to follow your rules the best we can to bring glory and honor to you, to make you happy for our behaviors, Lord. We thank you again for giving us your word. Be with us as we strive to learn it more and to make it part of our lives more and more. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.